0: Hi there, and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keene, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Amen. Well, today I'm talking on a very important subject, navigating your call of God. And today I am going to represent you Because I'm going to be, uh, in a minute, representing you in the start of your call of God. Or, as Pastor Spencer said, getting you unstuck. Because uh, around the world, there are how many hundreds of millions of Christians? But I wonder how many are actually walking in God's call. And I think it's not nearly what it's meant to be. I think there's a whole lot of people go to church. They acknowledge Jesus, but they are not actually in the call of God. And so today I'm gonna to encourage you that you need to understand there is a calling on your life. Your life is your calling is not my calling. I'm not talking about you being called a pastor. A lot of people go, Oh, that's right, pastors have callings. Listen, that is one aspect for those people. But you are called businessmen. There are businessmen people here, they're called their main ministry in this church is to raise finances for us to preach the gospel and help the poor. Main calling, raise finances so we can preach the gospel and help the poor. You have a calling. Every person has a unique calling. And I want to encourage you to really start to think about it. And you begin to need you begin to discover through counsel, talk to some pastors, talk to some of our key leaders, say, where do you see me fitting? What do you see the gifts of my life? And we will help you get on track to what God has got for your life. Let me just read to you from 2 Timothy. It says it powerfully in chapter 1, verse 9 in the Amplified. It says this, And good morning, everybody, in Lusaka and in Germany and everybody at home online. Hello, big welcome to the 10 a.m. service. We're so glad to have you with us. And wherever you are watching in Perth or around the world, we're so glad to have you with us today. So this message, navigating your call of God, is for you wherever you are online as well. So in the Amplified Bible, it says, 2 Timothy 1.9, For he delivered us and saved us and called us with a holy calling, a calling that leads us to a consecrated life. What's that? It's a life set apart, a life of purpose, not because of our works or because of any personal merit. We could do nothing to earn this, but because of his own purpose and grace, his amazing undeserved favor. That's what his grace is, which was granted to us in Christ Jesus before the world began eternal ages ago. Wow. If you're a Christian, the Bible says God has saved us and then called us with a holy calling. Come on, he saved us and then called us with a holy calling. If you were just done and, and uh, if, sa- if just being saved was it, we might as well get you saved and take you out the back, give you a little bullet and send you straight to heaven <laughs> because nothing else to do. But listen, you get saved. Waking you up in the 10 a.m. service. Here we go. We get saved be- and then God says, now I want you to walk in the holy calling. Your gifts are a key to your calling. Your passions are a key to your calling. Your gifts, your key talents. What are your key talents? You need to find out what the three key talents that you have. And uh, I'll tell you now, they're going to be an indicator to what God has for your life. What annoys you greatly is also a good indicator. So what annoys you? There's certain things that annoy. Some people see things that, you know, oh my gosh, it annoys me. Why doesn't somebody do something about that? That's sometimes an indicator of what God's calling you to. I kept thinking, somebody needs to help the children. God goes, yeah, that would be you. (sighs) So now we're helping a thousand children in Rwanda. So sometimes what annoys you is a key to what you need to be doing. And uh, and everybody, you need to, if you can get hold of my podcast on kingdom effectiveness, I want to encourage you that God's called you to be kingdom effective. And then your gifts and talents minister first here in your family, then in the church, then in the community, and then out into the world but you're called to kingdom effectiveness. We are not called just to go to church. I am not going to give you a chocolate star or a chocolate brownie even for being a church. That's, that's 101. That's just, that's just 101 for Christians. But it's you becoming kingdom effective. It's where we're going to celebrate you walking into your calling in Jesus' name. So, and I want to encourage everybody today that the Bible tells us that it's like a race we're in. Look at 1 Corinthians 9. You're in a race. Hello. You're in a race, but the race is against yourself, really. You're not competing against anybody else, but you are competing against yourself. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 9. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? They're very best to win, but only one receives the prize. Run your race in such a way that you may seize the prize and make it yours. Run your race. Run your race. doesn't say, oh, attend church and when you can, when nothing's on, Auntie Betty hasn't invited you for dinner. It says, no, 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 it says run your race. God says you're in a spiritual race now. And it says, now every athlete who goes into training and competes in the games is disciplined and exercises self-control in all things. Oh, gosh, there's a challenging word for us all. Hello, people who are called. Become self controlled in all things. That's a journey. Start where you're at. That's a journey, everybody. We're not expecting you, God's not expecting you to be self controlled overnight. Start where you're at. I remember when I found out the church had an 8 a.m. service when I became a Christian in Sydney, and I was like, are you, What are you talking about? Who would ever go to such a thing? 8 o'clock in the morning going to church. People crazy. I didn't get out of bed till 11 on a Sunday ever then suddenly they tell me, could you come and help at the 8 a.m. service? I'm like, what? People are crazy in this Christian church. Guess what services I go to now all the time for years and years and years? 8 a.m. Self-control, because I'm in a race. And I want to win the prize. Then it says here, they do it to win a crown that withers. This is the Olympics. People get a crown and a gold medal at the the Olympics. The Bible says it passes away. It's withering. But we... In God's house, who are Christians, we do it to receive an imperishable crown that cannot wither. We do it to receive an imperishable crown that cannot wither. The Bible says that you're going to receive a crown depending on what we're doing, hello, in our service in God's kingdom at the end of our life. And by the way, you won't have all your friends and family there. You'll be there with Jesus yourself. And God is going to show us our life and, going to, and he's going to say, hey, here's what I created you for, gifts, talents, And here's my calling, and I'm going to reward you for what you walked in. I'm going to reward you for what uh, you did with the calling and the gifts I gave you. Did you know that? So we are going to be responsible to God for that. That wakes me up in the morning, makes me think twice, because I'm going to be responsible to God for what he's given me. And, uh, And everybody, can I just tell you, I've had such an imperfect life. I've had so much pain. My father was a terribly scary, frightening, abusive alcoholic. I had emotional abuse, psychological abuse, physical abuse. And so I am I am up and at them, Adam, because God is real. And so I want to encourage you too, all my friends who know what I'm talking about, don't use that as your excuse any longer. Why? Because you are too valuable to the planet, you're too valuable to the church, you're too valuable to people too valuable. So the enemy tried to wipe me out, but God says, I've got people I need you to help, Jared. Behind every, every time I said, okay, there's a whole lot of people got helped because we said, okay. By the way, if you're older, some people have been going to church for 20 years, 30 years, and you still don't understand that you're meant to be in a race. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon that you're walking out the call of God. Some of you went to church and they just told you about living an amazing life, being an amazing person look, be that, that's nice. But that may have nothing to do with the call of God. Because sometimes me having an amazing, incredible life for me is ended up in Rwanda, Zambia, Kiev and Ukraine 19 times. But according to some preachers, that's not an amazing life. Yet that's amazing because it's God's will. God's will. And by the way, Can I just apologize to you on behalf of your parents, grandparents, and some of your pastors who have not talked to you about the call of God, but taught you just about attending church and just resting in the love of God, maybe, or just becoming amazing. I apologize for that. Or giving you some kind of religious Mickey. What's a religious Mickey? Anybody ever had a Mickey? All the Irish know what I'm talking about. A Mickey is something that looks like the real thing. Sometimes you know sometimes, yeah, anyway, we won't go there. <laughs> Some of us have a living a Christian life that we followed from our parents and grandparents. that looks like the real thing, but actually isn't. Some of us went to churches where they talked about the Bible and uh, actually mentioned scriptures and looked like the real thing, but actually isn't. Because the real thing is all about, you're saved and called. You're saved and called. Why do people take drugs? Why do people take alcohol? Why do people do crazy things? Why do you look at stuff on TV and you look at people going wild around the world? America, hello. And you're like, what is it about? When you're not in God's purpose for your life, we're always wacky. (laughs) Some of you were such wack. No, no, no. (laughs) Some of us were crazy. Who knows where we'd be now? And, uh, And now I love the world, you know. Uh, what was it, um, Lady Gaga said, "You're born this way." Well, now she's got to apologise because apparently you're not. Now there's 150 genders. Like, listen, until people are in God's purpose and God's plan, walking with Jesus, we will come up with five billion agendas, five million lifestyles. Everything we'll call everything valuable and as equal as everything, because all of it is trying to find God and His purpose and His plan. Wow. Full stop. So I want to encourage you. That's people that, I'm just looking at people in the street, and I'm like, I don't, I'm not angry with them. I feel sad for them. I'm like, okay, you're lost. you got to get saved. And then you got to realize, young man, young lady, older person, older lady, you have a God-given destiny. And all of this is occurring, this craziness, number one reason you're not in it yet. Because when you're in it, your craziness drops off. Now, I'm still edgy. So is our pastoral team. Anyway, anyone edgy here? I'm looking around the crowd. There's quite a few of you. I'm edgy. Edgy. If you pray hard, play hard. You've got to make sure you're having a life where you're filling your life with, you know, fun things. Jump off buildings. I've done that. Do whatever you want to do. <laughs> I've got edgy sides to me. Ski off the top of mountains in Japan. Try and do that every year. Do edgy stuff. It's good. Hello, skiers over here. We need to get a few more Perth people skiing, don't we? We need to work on that. Mission trip to perisher, amen. Oh, I feel confirmation happening. So I want to say to all the older people who've grown up in the religious background, I'm apologizing for, listen, it's not too late. It's not too late. Not too late. Your last 30 years or last 20 years can be your greatest. Moses got used by God at 80. 80. But it's all comes through humility, softening our heart. You know, uh, in Perth today, there's people going to be going to uh, the synagogue over here in Perth. What's the suburb? Mount Lawley. You'll be able to get a bagel over that direction. Amen. So there's people going to synagogues. There's people going to a mosque in Perth. There's people going to churches all over Perth. And, uh, but you need to realize, right? It's very interesting that all these religions, and Judaism's over 3,000 years old. Christianity's over 2,000 years old. God's always been there throughout all of history, but when they actually start to nail and focus in on God, Islam uh, started 700 years after Christianity, just in case you're wondering. But all of them denote to Abraham. Very interesting. All of them denote to Abraham. And the Bible teaches us about Abraham, who started out Abram, by the way, which... uh, Abram just means father. And then he became Abraham, which means father of many. So Abram is daddy. Abraham is big daddy. (laughs) Trying to simplify it for you there, right there. But all of them denote Abraham. All of these major religions denote Abraham. And they look to this incredible man of faith. But what is it that really made Abraham great? Why do we all denote to him? Why do we look, what really made him great? What is this big pointing to him? Let me tell you what it is. It was the call of God that made Abraham great. It's the call of God. It's what made him great. It's what set him apart. And uh, I like Abraham because he had to stand against the culture of the day. And, uh, And life happened to him. But more interesting is he went on, Abraham happened to life. But the call of God came to him. Leave your, leave your house, leave your country, leave your family. There's a word for some of us. So you've got to face the, follow the call of God. Leave friends, leave this, and follow me and I'll take you to a land that I'm calling to you to. And so the call of God is what made his life special. Listen, everybody. The call of God is what makes your life special and distinctive. It's what makes your life special and distinctive. And when somebody is in the, walking in the call of God, they stick out. You wonder how people become pastors and leaders in the church. I've been doing this next February. I got saved 40 years ago next February. So I will see people who I know, ah, they're walking in the call of God. Then I see other people and I go, ah, they go to church. Ah, they're walking in the call of God. They go to church. They're walking in the call of God. They go to church. So when I meet people, I was born at night, but not last night. And I can tell who's walking to the call of God and who goes to church. Listen, everybody. We need Global Heart Church around the world now to move to the call of God. We need everybody to move to the call of God. Now, that call for you might be using your hospitality gift, uh, chefs, male and female, to bless, the, to bless people with hospitality and food. That is an incredible calling. The callings are so different and unique, but they start in the house of God And then they go out to the community. So listen to this. The call of God is meant to shape your life. The call of God is meant to shape your life. Listen, I come... Oh, my gosh. My mom's family's all wealthy. Bless my auntie. She just passed away. The wealthy one. I hope she remembers me. But anyway. Jared. Nephew. Anyway. I'm serious. Anyway. So... So what happens? But I grew up in the Bronx, more and more to the Bronx, to the poorest suburbs, and then grew up in poverty. My mum always broke. My dad always drinking everything. And then the call of God gets on my life. And this is what happens. God begins to shape my life. He beginning to reshape my life. When you're in the call of God, you're being reshaped. He's the potter. I'm the clay. And uh, so God says, I'm going to reshape you. But here's what I had to do. I had to not let one chapter of my life define me. Everybody, you need to not let a chapter in your life define you. Some of us right now, we're stuck in chapter three. Can't get past it. Something went wrong. That went wrong. This went wrong. Welcome to my life. Everything went wrong. By the time I was 17, I was more like 45 because they're just wrong and wrong relate wrong boundaries in my family and i'm carrying my parents i'm carrying their marriage i'm carrying my brother and sister i'm carrying oh everything everything went wrong and i had to make a decision either i'm going to stay here and let this chapter define me or i'm going to (laughs) go see you later lord let's go and everybody has to say goodbye to the last chapter everybody good or bad good or bad some of us have just got used to, it. it's good, but it's not God. Just good. We don't need just good. We need God. What is God's plan? If you're, if you're a new Christian, new to the faith, just get this and put it on the shelf and listen to it again in 10 years' time. <laughs> this will get you started, but I'll just put it on the shelf because it'll make sense to you more later on. But your life is called to be an epic. Your life is called to be an epic. Epic. Over 40 years as a pastor next year, I've been to funerals of people, Christians and non-Christians, and at funerals, I'm either really elated or go, oh, my gosh. I'll hear people say, you know, we're at a funeral. Oh, yeah. Mary, she loved her bowls. She even had the bowls trophy. 1984, she got the bowls trophy. I'm like, want to strangle myself in the service. Listen. Come on, 10 10 a.m. Listen, bowling's great. Good. Surfing's great. Good. What else have we got? Knitting. Golf. Knitting's great. Girls are going to crochet. Great. Basketball. Awesome. But please don't have me going to your funeral where, oh, he was good with a hoop. Your life is so much more valuable. Your life is so much more valuable. I want to hear, my gosh, they walked in their calling. She walked in her calling. She was the most hospitable woman. Through her hospitality, she loved generations of children into the kingdom of God. (laughs) This person fostered a child, rescued that child, rescued them in the call of God, into God's kingdom. And we just thank God. Here's her foster child now. Come on. Hello, this person served in youth, impacted youth across Western Australia. I want to be there like, yes, come on at the funeral. My gosh, the call of God, it's so awesome. Oh my gosh, this family, the mother and father spent their life developing their children into their calling. They cheered them on, they exampled to them. So that I'm at the funeral rather than hearing, oh yeah, she got the bowls cup in 1984 I'm like, people, we have got to have lives beyond the Bowls Cup of 1984. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Did I say, is there anything wrong with bowling? No. Is there anything wrong with golf? Yes. I'm hopeless at it. So it's wrong. <laughs> Look, all those things are good, but is it what you were meant to do with your life? You're better to fail, get up. Fail, get up. Fail, get up. And at the end of your life, we say, "Well, my gosh, they failed a few times, quite a few times." But one thing it says, they got up to continue in the call of God. All right, let's move on. When you are in the call of God, everybody, and this is Bible College today. Welcome to Bible College Year Three. Uh, there are tests in God. Do you know the Bible tells us that God tests us? So right now, all of us are in some kind of test. Every person here, you're in some kind of spiritual test. If you're a Christian right now, if you're a Christian, right now you will be in some kind of test that's happening in your life now. Right now. Job 23.10 says, But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I'll come forth as gold. Gold is usually created in the heat, which Proverbs 17 defines as well. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests hearts. The Lord's testing your heart. The Lord's testing you what's in there. And then the Bible says through and the furnace for gold and the furnace. God turns up the heat when you have when you're walking in your calling. Some of us we haven't got into the calling yet, so there's no heat. Get into the calling, the fire, a bit of heat starts happening. Why? Because God's going to turn your life to gold. That impacts a lot of people for his kingdom. Joseph had a test. He was in prison for 13 years, yet he was on the way to rescuing not only uh, his family, but all of the people and what came against him, God used for good. 13 years in a prison, but he was on the way to the palace. When you're in God's call, sometimes it can seem like a long time, God. I feel like I'm in some kind of prison thing, but you're on the way to the palace in Jesus' name. Psalm 26 verse 2, examine me, O Lord, and try me. Listen to this, test my mind and my heart. Examine me, O oh Lord, and try me. Test my mind, everybody online, test your mind, God's going to do it, and, and my heart. And by the way, do you think God doesn't know what's in your heart and in your mind? Do you, who thinks he doesn't know? He knows exactly. He's testing you and trying you so that you get a clue. Only when I go through the fire, when I go through challenges and tests, do I suddenly discover, oh, I didn't know that was in there. I didn't know that was there. So God is trying to reveal me to me. <laughs> Year 3 Bible college, Global Heart. Bible college you can sign up after church today. You get more of this. Jeremiah 17:10, New Living Translation, but I the Lord search all hearts. I search all hearts and examine secret motives not just motives but the ones that are beneath the motives God says I'm examining the secret motives that you think nobody knows but I know and I'm examining them it's God says why do you do what you do why is it that you're not in your call of God God goes I'm examining your motive behind that why is it that you're a Christian who just attends church but refuses to walk in the call of God I'm examining that secret motive Why is it that you sat down years ago and you didn't get up? I never asked you to do that. God says, I'm examining that motive. (laughs) And then he says, I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. God's going to reward us. Everybody need to know this thing's got rewards. This life has rewards. Come on. This life has rewards in this life and in the next. In this life and then in the next. This life has rewards. And uh, they're going to come to your life, but also eternity. There's rewards in eternity. So God has got a lot in store. And I found out too, 40 years of serving the Lord next year, God's brought reward to me in this life. And there's been some amazing experiences that I've had that have been incredible only because of the call of God, not because I went to church. Everybody online, not because I went to church, because I went in the call of God, then the amazing experiences came. They'll look back and go, wow, only God could do that. Okay, so this is you, and this is me. Some of us haven't set off on the call of God yet. Some of us have. Some of us never got started. Some of us go to church, but never got started in the call of God. This is for you. Here's what happens when you get saved, and you go, right, Jesus, I want to follow you now and follow and get into your calling. You're going along, and then the next hey, minute. Hey, how's it hey. going? Hey, oh, hello. Here you want hey. to We're yes. your, your distraction. distraction? Hey, don't worry. Oh, don't, don't worry about doing this whole race this thing. No, you can Just come leave with us, us. Come over here. Come way, come Leave the race. I wondered it's who you comfy were. Over here. You're all over a distraction, a right? Nice. No. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that, but no thanks. Fair enough. When you yeah, get started in the the race, the Christian calling and you're walking towards it, the enemy will see to it that you have people who come to distract you. So when Sue became a Christian and Pastor Mari, Pastor Mari said last week, I hadn't heard it before, both of them had the Jehovah's Witnesses at their door the following week. In case you didn't know, it's a cult. It's a serious cult. The enemy puts people around you. Wrong relationship, wrong girl, wrong guy. Suddenly they're around you. The very time you need to walk with God as a new Christian and get a relationship with him, suddenly the enemy puts a person in your life. I'm oh like, where did he come from? Where did she come from? They're called a distraction, and they're not from the Lord. And so it happens all the time. Christians will go to church, and they meet somebody in church. Oh, my gosh. And the next minute, we're in love. And I'm like, do you even know who they are? Because pe- somebody came to church doesn't mean that they're a Christian. Some people, there's people in church across Perth right now who just got out of Hakia and everywhere else. In the amount of people that go, oh, there, God supplied my husband or wife. No, heck no. You need to slow down and go out with God and get some wisdom. Too many Christians have wrecked their calling because they jumped in before they even had a walk with God. Go, Go out with God, everybody. That's what you do. When you're a new Christian, God's only doing you right now. Don't be rescuing other people. Don't be rescuing anyone else. You need to be rescued and then walk along. All right. Now, what the challenge is, is sometimes you get a distraction. It's a surprise, discouragement that gets you. This, this surprise discouragements are really challenging. And sometimes they're from people you didn't expect, people you, you thought knew better. And, uh, and I want to encourage you, never choose people over God. Don't choose a partner over God. Wow, don't ever do it. The amount of people got problems because I chose somebody because I raced in and uh, I was distracted. Don't ever choose money over God. Big distraction. Don't choose money over God. God's calling on your life. I had jobs coming to me, different things, and I was like, no, I need the call of God. And thank the Lord, Sue and I were choosing the call of God because, you know, we know in our heart and life we're in it. I'm a pastor. Sue and I are pastors. We're called to be lead people. We're called to preach the gospel, see people get saved. We're called to plant churches. I'm called to develop leaders. I'm called to help people. I'm called to help the poor. I'm called to help children. I'm called to Africa. I'm called to Europe. I've got international call. I'm helping in Japan. I know what I'm called to do. What are you called to do? What are you called to do? What are you called to do? Don't have another week where you just go to church. You get an appointment booked with one of our pastors, one of our leaders, and go, I need to work out this calling thing. Okay. All right, now, oh, I've moved on already. I'm now at the next stop. Here we go. And at this next stop, what happens is you start to go forward for God. You start to get a bit passionate about the things of God. You start to get a bit excited and suddenly you've got voices telling you to calm down. Oh, here we go. Aren't you Pastor being a Jared bit too... Don't you think you're being a bit too full on with this whole Jesus yes, thing? Yes, I agree. I think you're being too committed. Are you being too committed? I mean, are you really going to give to church? Is, are you, yes. Do you really want to do that? Is, that? Is that really needed? I can just take a couple of steps back. Take I think a think couple of steps Maybe. I... Thanks, guys, but no thanks. Okay. that's <laughs> dismiss, dismiss the casual Christians. Casual Christians become Christian casualties. The moment you start going forward, everybody, losing casualness, you will have people come to you, both Christians and non-Christians, trying to pull you back. Aren't you a bit too full on? A bit too zealous? A bit too passionate for God? Chill back. Cool down. They're trying to put out your fire. You'll meet Christians who've got routines and traditions that have been ineffective in producing anything in their life, but they'll try and talk to you about routines, traditions. Uh, and, uh, and you'll get people who are suddenly... When people are convicted by Christians who start moving forward, they start giving you heaps of scriptures. When I start to go forward, suddenly I met Christians. Oh, I know the Bible. Jeremiah, Daniel, and they give me 500 scriptures. And then I'd go, and what are you doing with your life? Nothing. Not serving, not helping, not carrying, casual, 500 scriptures. Listen, people, put your scripture away and let your life speak the word. Let your life speak the word. I had people say to me, oh, Jared, look, you're getting a bit carried away. Who are you now, Holy Joe? I said, no, I'm a wicked sinner. That's what I am, who God saved and now graciously is helping me to follow him and restore my life. So, but people would start attacking me there. And the other thing is too, did you hear them say, are you giving, don't give at church? Do you know everybody I discovered, I, people would say that to me, are you giving anything at church? Oh my gosh, it's a bit much giving. Are you giving a tithe at church. I was like, yeah, I am, I'm following Jesus now. Here's what I discovered. Banks are after my money. Credit cards are after my money. Jim Bean is after my money. Loan Sharks are after my money. Event Cinemas even is after my money. Netflix is after my money. Strip clubs are after my money. Barley is after my money. Victoria Bitter is after money. Clubs are after my money. Drug dealers are after my money. McDonald's is after my money. KFC is after my money. Nando's is after my money. So yes, I do think I could give Jesus something freely. Because in his church, people meet God, are saved, are healed, given hope, delivered from addiction, delivered from their past, find eternal life, and see good things happen. I think I could honor him. (laughs) All right. By the way, everybody, when you get uh, committed to your calling, you start to lose a few friends about here. People drop off about here. So when you have a few people pull away or drop off, it's called normal, because now you've become challenging. They're being challenged to be real, uh, get, become a real Christian. Or, or if they're not a Christian, they're being challenged. So don't be put off when people drop off. You'll lose a few friends. And then you get here. Here's what happened next. So now I've got through distraction. I got through being casual. I'm now committed Christian. Sue and I were now trying to have kids. We finally got pregnant. You guys know we had miscarriages, ectopic pregnancy. We'd gone through some offenses there. We had to say to God, okay, God, if we're never going to have children, we choose to get bit, uh, better than get bitter. And Lord, if we don't have children, help us to serve You. We cried our tears to God over months, but we we're saying, Lord, help us. Anyway, so Sue and I—we had Sean. He was an awesome little boy. And then one day, we we're at uh, what became Hills Christ- Hills Song. Now it was Hills Christian Life Center. I'm on staff as a pastor. It's in my third year, I think, probably something like that. And uh, and so I'm fairly new pastor still. And Sue says to me, hey, today you're taking Sean to the creche for the first time. You got him all morning. You're in the creche. I'm in the service first time. I'm like, okay, up for that. And so she's got Sean all dressed up. He's got a good outfit on. I'm taking Sean to the creche. I go in the creche and then some of the parents start talking to me, obviously, because I'm either pastor or staff. And then I look over and Sean in his new nice t-shirt, all white, glowing, glistening, his hair glistening in the sun. (laughs) And I can see Sean splashing in a fire helmet. I'm thinking, what's he doing? And as I get, get closer, Sean's really splashing it. And next minute, I can see yellow all over him. And I'm thinking, oh, there's pineapple juice in that fire helmet. Oh, my gosh. Two of Sue's girlfriends in there. One of them's name was Anne. She was a really good friend of Sue's. And so I'm like, oh, Anne, no, look at this. And I go over. It wasn't pineapple juice. It was urine. <laughs> One of the parents has allowed their daughter to come in. She's got a dress down. She's got no underpants on. She sat on the fire helmet. She's gone to the toilet. And now Sean has poured it basically over himself. So I'm like to Sue's girlfriend's like a lamb going to the slaughter and help. Like, oh my God, my gosh. So anyway, so I pick Sean up. I go into the bathroom of the hill center. The hill center's got a big fire wooden door and it's got a big metal, half of the door's metal on one side. I put Sean on the floor and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, cloths, towels, water. Sue's going to kill me. Sue's going to kill me. Sue's going to kill me. Baby, you are going to kill me. So, and I'm like, oh my goodness, Sue's going to kill me. And so I start wiping Sean. I'm trying to get the towels. And the next minute, the father who had done that, who was failing you, he's thinking he better come and say sorry to me, I think. And he bashes through the door. When he walks through the door, the door hits Sean in the middle of the head and flung him across the toilet. toilet. He went flying through the air. And I just said to the guy, go away. (laughs) Just go away. I'm now like about to lose it. So, the next minute, I see Sean with a golf ball coming up on his head. He's covered in urine. He's got a golf ball coming. First day in the creche. First time with me. And I go out and and Sue's girlfriends go, Oh, they can see the cut. And they're like, Oh, Jared, you're dead. (laughs) You're dead. Oh, my gosh. So, they're trying to get brushes out to comb his forehead, his hair down his forehead. I'm trying to get the rest of the urine off. I'm just like, I'm just like manic. And uh, all the parents are losing their minds because they can see this is, something's gone terribly wrong. I take Sean out to the service with his hair combed down. And Sue's like, look, talking to people. And then Sue looks over. She's like, got his hair. Ah! And I just went to her girlfriend's. And get over here quick. <laughs> Sue's like, gonna kill me. She's like, he smells like urine. I went, yes. <laughs>
1: Wow. I mean, wow. I was so
0: wow, 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 wow! I can't believe he did that. Wow. You but should. That, yeah. I can't believe it. Yep. Yeah, I can't believe it. You should be so offended. I mean, is it really worth being a pastor, dealing mm. with people like that? I not mean, after a stunt like that, I after say. Not after a stunt. Not, not like after that. something like that. Take, take the bait. Oh. Take the bait. Oh take the bait. <laughs> take the trap. Do you want to take it? Okay. okay, so that's what happens, right? Right at that most unhelpful moment. Thanks for saying I should be offended. That was lovely. That's exactly what the devil says. So the devil comes to me, you should be so offended. Look what people do. Look what they do when you're in the ministry. Look how people are. Don't do this. Get out of it. And then, thank you, Jesse. And then uh, I discovered that the word offense, by the way, Luke 17, says, it's impossible that offenses won't come. It's impossible that offenses won't come. Christians, Luke 17, it is impossible. You will not be offended. Be offended at Maya. You'll be offended at the drive-thru. You'll be offended at work. You'll be offended at family. You'll be offended by yourself. And you'll be offended serving God. So see this little bit here. When you hear the word offense, that word there, offense, in the Greek is the word scandalon. The scandalon is actually that. And it means trap. And so what happens is when we take offense as a Christian... Uh, it is actually that there, that, the same way it catches a mouse or a rat. Don't worry, everybody. Don't worry. You as a Christian are trapped for the rest of your days. Scandalon is actually that in the Greek, and that's the word offense. Uh, it's also a stick they use in, uh, out in the countryside. It's the stick that's the bait to catch the animal. You trip over, the animal trips over it, catches it. This is what the devil does to us. So he gets, catches you with offense, fence, and then Christians are stopped here. There's the finish line. There's your calling. There's where you're going. And mo- hello, how many Christians around the world, millions of them, are here? Trapped, not moving forward, frustrated, and then going, God, where are you? God goes, I'm here where I've always been. But we're sitting here, trapped by the offense, the scandal on. So then the devil says, like he did to Eve, you've been offended by the apple. Can I just encourage all the husbands and wives, when you get offended, when something goes wrong in your Christian walk, can we understand that the devil said to Eve, did God really say? Did God really mean that you were caught? Does God really love you? Is God really for you? Does God have a plan for you? Does God have a way of escape? The devil's always undermining. It always comes to questions. And I want to encourage you, especially um, if you get offended, husband or wife. Adam was like Huckleberry Finn. <laughs> Eve's like, Oh my gosh, I can eat the eat that. I'm gonna be like God. And Adam goes, Yeah, honey, give me a bite. I've seen wives or husbands get offended, and then I watched the partner go, Oh yeah, okay. Offended and took themselves and their children out of the call of God and their grandchildren. We have to say to our husband or wife, honey, put that offence down. We are not biting that apple. We are not out of serving. We are not out of church. We are not out of the kingdom. Put it down. And here's the bottom line. Say to your husband and wife right now, we need to stop and humble ourselves. Sorry, Lord. We've made this about us. It's never been about us. It's about you. Help us now to not bite the apple, Lord. We give the offense to you, God, or the hurt or whatever. Help us now to walk on and you get released from the trap. Some of you right now, God wants to release you off the scandal on that has trapped you. This is turned over on you and you're stuck. God's saying, be released today and begin to go again. Because the finish line's there, not here. Okay. All righty. <laughs> okay, so at about now, here's what happens. You start changing. When you start going through offenses, you start changing. When you start forgiving, you start changing. So the person you were is changing. That throws a few people. People are like, oh my gosh, what's, what's, what's changing with you? You're forgiving. you have offended, you forgive. You're offended, you forgive. You're offended, you forgive. And you start to discern other people who have also passed tests and you start to meet and discern others who are now here. So I'll meet Christians, and I'm like, ah, you passed a few tests. You're in your calling. You're on the way to there. And then I meet other Christians. Ah, you're yet to start. You have been in church two decades? Not too late. Start here, but you're going to have to start with the distractions. Not too late. I meet Christians who are on the journey, been through some offenses, and now they're up to another one. Here's another one of them, Fear. The moment God starts using, and by the way too, Hebrews 12, one says, lay aside every weight, every sin, lay it aside, look to the author and finisher of our faith, and, uh, and lay aside the sin that so easily ensnares us, Offense is a sin, whatever it is, lay it aside. So fear, you start going along, you're doing good, and then suddenly you get fear about what's coming yes. up to you. us again. So, Hello. don't you think this is all just a little too risky? Yeah, well, at your age, you should probably just slow down a little, shouldn't you? I mean, I, mean you? I didn't say... I mean, I didn't say... He said that one, not what me. Yeah, he not said me. that one. I mean, it's just... Did you hear that? Just slow down just a bit. Uh, thanks, guys. No, no worries. All right. I'm going to take the risk. More to do. So, did you hear that? He says at your age. That's what the devil will say, too. Hey, wouldn't take that risk now, yet God's told me to. And God's told you to do that. God's told us. There's other churches that will start around the world. God's told me to. I'm 57. But God's told me to do it. Is it scary? Yes. Is it a risk? Yes. But what am I doing? I'm following the call of God and doing what God's asking me to do. And the devil tells you you'll probably fail. I'm better to fail forward than than not do anything. Fail and fail forward. And most times in uh, going forward in life, you've got to take risks, everybody. So just remember that. And uh, I like what um, Joyce Meyer said. When you're afraid, Joyce Meyer said, do it afraid. Do it afraid. And every time you do something, sometimes when I got opportunities to do things that were like challenging or good or just challenging, I'd be afraid about it. But every time I did it, God was in it and there was breakthrough for me, but also for others. See, everybody, there's a whole lot of people who need you to do this because there's hundreds of people. If Sue and I didn't do this, this church disappears. Do you get it? We didn't do this. London disappears. Hillsong. Gone. No one went there. We went there. Impact on Keith Hillsong. So many places disappeared because somebody has got to keep walking this out. But it's not just pastors. This is for every Christian. Every Christian. Okay, so I've got to my fears. I'm going to persist on and then I get down here and I'm getting closer to what God's got for me. Oh, and then the enemy's back again (laughs) in the guise of these two. Don't you think you've done enough now? I mean, you've planted churches, you've, you've gone to Zambia, you've done all that yeah. stuff with, with compassion. It's so great. Yeah, I it's think true. you're done. You know what? You should sit down. Just sit yeah. down. Have a seat. Have a seat. You've run sit the good down. race. Perfect. There all right, go. I'll sit, sit down. down. Have a seat. Okay, buddy. Let me just speak from this. The devil's trying to get me to sit down totally, permanently. Mm. But here's the thing. Take a break. <laughs> Take a holiday. Yeah. Have a rest day every week. Make sure you do. I'm not, God's not speaking about resting. You need to make sure you're having a rest. Take some time out. But the devil will make it... So he'll suddenly make it like you could you could even camp out oh hang on a minute should we camp out bring it out jesse you so can just stay camp out <laughs> you don't have to go there we go jump Take in a here couple of years off okay so if the devil can't get he you to sit down he takes it to the next or oh, if he gets you to sit down everybody he takes you to the next level there you go so then now, <laughs> what have i got oh gosh camp out. come jump in okay so <laughs> the devil's ultimate aim for every believer here in global heart church is that you'll just camp out somewhere and stay there You'll just stay in here. Hello, everybody. He wants you to camp out. The children of Israel, there's all sand in this tent. (laughs) The children of Israel, right, they were meant to be on an 11-day journey to the promised land. It turned into a 40-year nightmare. And the whole reason was is they just kept complaining. It wouldn't keep walking into what God had. And so they end up saying, oh, would to God, we were back in Egypt where we had meat and we had garlic and had leeks. I couldn't care less about garlic and leeks than anybody else. <laughs> like, oh, would to go back there? Sometimes everybody, we are romanticizing the past. So in sitting down, like as I said, take a rest, take a whole day, But some of us, we had a baby and we died. Oh my gosh, I can't go on for God now because I had a baby. I couldn't serve anymore. Oh gosh, we have two children. We could never be actually giving any margin or time to God or people. Everybody, can I just talk to the parents right now? I just was. Listen, sometimes parents, even the Friday night service is a bit of a challenge for your, it's actually, I reckon, a God challenge for your children's destiny. And it comes to the parents. And the parents are like, oh, they're a bit tired, or it's a bit cold. I actually look on and go, well, I think this is a natural test to see where your family will go. Because we need to ask God, should I be there? Here's the thing. Now, it's not too late if it sees them miss brokenness, poverty, possible addiction, marriage breakup, family breakup, purposeness, and if they miss God's call. It's far more important that our children get tired and wrecked in the house of God than at 19 they go off with some partnership into the world and are tired and wrecked in sin. Be tired now, be cold now, get a jacket. <laughs> Okay, parents, you are setting the lid for your children, Christian parents. The lid. You, you are either the lid on your children's destiny or their launching pad. <laughs> You're called to be their launching pad. So the enemy would like me to camp out as I'm getting older, not take any more territory because there's going to be hundreds and thousands of people affected by that in Jesus' name. But he wants you to camp out as well. Don't do Friday nights. Camp out. Netflix is on. My gosh, you might miss the latest Netflix movie. Gee, people miss it. Your children's unique destiny and calling and your grandchildren's is far too important. <laughs> get a blanket, get a jacket. Now what happened is Sue and I, because we're like, okay, we're gonna go to London to serve the Lord. We're now gonna go to Australia to serve the Lord. We're gonna go to Perth, that's not our city. We're from Sydney, we're stretching out. We're gonna do a Friday night service. We were preparing our children for a bigger life we're preparing them for bigger concepts that what could God do through with us we were preparing them to have margin in their life where God was first where the Christian life is about stretch and in the stretch is the miracle if you want the extraordinary everybody it's the extra on your ordinary and so we were so now the boys I don't have to say too much to them because I think they're geared and primed because Sue and I made a launching pad for them. Everybody online, make a launching pad for your children, in Jesus' name. Don't be the limiting lid. Okay, let's turn off the cameras. <laughs> Do you know that over 40 years, here's in youth ministry in Sydney and in London and in Perth and in Kiev, here's the number one challenge I hear from youth leaders. Here, parents, listen to this. They say, Pastor Jared, we are getting kids whose parents are unsaved, who don't come to our church, into their destiny, is so, it, we can make it happen. We can work. But we cannot, most of the time, I heard this from youth that is in London, Sydney, Kiev, Ukraine, and Perth. We struggle to get uh, Christ, cre- our kids whose parents are Christians into any calling or destiny because of their parents. I've heard that for 40 years. We struggle to get them into their destiny. Why is that? Because the parents have no clue they're meant to have one. No clue they have to have a, meant to have a calling. So every time the children get rise up to serve the Lord, the parents, no, no, sit down. Back in the cupboard. Back into the family religious tradition. Thank you. Thank you. I'm the parent. And that's what's happened. And parents seal children's calls who are Christians all over the world. And the moment God puts a Christian leader around their young adult or teenager, excuse me, my child, that's the dumbest thing you could ever do. That would be in the top dumbest thing, Christian parents, you could ever do. With my boys, every one of them, I said to every leader around them, all of our leaders in church, speak into my child's life. And if they're naughty, tell them off. All oh, the leaders were like, really, Pastor? I said, go ahead. Because when they got offended at 13, 14, and 15, they learned to humble themselves and respect godly leader leadership. So today, now they can be used in God's house. All right. So I'm not settling down. I need to value myself. I need to value my calling. I need to value Sue's calling. I need to value our family's calling. we got more to do, people. So I am going on in Jesus' name. Amen. You need to go on into your calling in Jesus' name. You need to go on into what God has for you. There's the goal. There's the prize at the end of your life and in eternity. But you don't need to stop right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Well, and also too, then I'm going to impact the other generations. Come on, next generations. These, these people, children, grandchildren, when I go through, they go through go through children they're representing children and grandchildren go through go through go through they're now going through to their calling why because i can tell them about it follow me through the distraction come through the casualness get over a fence teach the next generations you're following and then mum and granddad your children go through the tape of their calling as well run in such a way